I think it was extremely important and timely for us. Um, I knew that was going to be the case. You know, when, um, when, uh, when I asked him to speak, I mean, I, I know Sergio very well. And uh, he's just a true, solid man of God, just a really good man of God. And him and Diane both are great men of God. And so um, <laughs> uh, they, they really love the Lord and, and listen to the Holy Spirit. And so we do have a, uh, uh, a new couple in the church. I guess you guys are paying attention to that. Uh, Krista and Aaron are now one. They are the Jans, which is going to be weird for our future. My wife brought this up to me. Um, People, like when we go places with the staff and stuff, they're going to assume that, what, did you want to step in here, Aaron, and let us look at a, a married man? <laughs> There's a married guy for you. So, um, the, uh, because when we go places, ministers and things like that, it's going to be, this is uh, Josh Jans, our youth pastor, and this is Krista Jans, our children's pastor. Well, they're going to assume that they're married, and uh, that's going to be um, interesting for us. We're probably going to use that to our benefit at different times. So, <clears throat> so um, I, I did want to ask, just because these things are always interesting to me uh, from an um, anthropological point of view. How many of you had turkey on Thanksgiving? Everybody had turkey on Thanksgiving? Everybody had turkey? Did you have did anybody have anything else besides turkey? I mean, like a different meat, ham. Only turkey. Oh my goodness, you guys are traditionalist. I guess I don't know. Um, I don't like turkey, so I don't. I don't eat turkey. I'll eat ham or something like that. But to me, you know, a, a steak or a nice tamale on on uh, Thanksgiving. That's the way. That's what Jesus ate. We know that. That's what, when he landed in Plymouth or how, I don't know exactly how the story goes, but uh, I'm pretty sure he had enchiladas or something like that. But, um, okay, I've got another question for you. How many of you eat cranberry juice, uh, cranberry juice, cranberry, cranberry, you know, whatever, on Thanksgiving, cranberry sauce? Okay, how many of you like the ones that are in the shape of the can and you pull it right out of the can? See, that's also the way it's supposed to be. It still needs to look like the can when it's sitting in that little dish, right? How many of you eat it with, like, Chunks of cranberries, like real. Yeah, I don't know. So, all right, I want to, I want to go over some stuff this morning that I think is is very important for us. Just watching over this last week, and uh, some of the stuff that's been happening. It, it's interesting to me that we're we're really starting to see some uh, legal stuff come to the surface when it comes to the election and things like that. And this is all you know, playing into the big picture of uh, who's going to be the president for the next four years. And, um, and it's looking stronger and stronger now that, um, that, that the corruption will be exposed and that this will be overturned. I mean, not overturned because it hasn't been official yet, but you know what I mean. Uh, president Trump will be president for the next four years. Now, with that being said, I, I do want to mention some things because th- this is what has been interesting to me. This week, I was for the last few weeks coming up till now, there's been a good, strong confidence, and people are saying, no, this is going to work out. Just keep praying. And as I've been mentioning, keep praying. And as, and as Sergio um, uh, spoke last week, God hears your cry. He will listen to you when you, when you cry out. And so um, with that being said, it was interesting to me how there seemed to be kind of a shift this week. And I started hearing um, a real... Um, more of a defeatist mentality in, in Christian ranks and online and different things like that. And, and usually that comes from what, what are your sources? What are you listening to? What's out there that, that's telling you stuff? Um, I, I've mentioned this a few times before, but, but you've got to listen to the right stuff. You can't listen to TV news at all. TV news is, will, will defeat you. It will depress you. It will beat you down. It is not designed to be positive, Okay. Um, a couple things you can do online, a couple websites you can go to. The Epoch Times is a great place to keep really solid uh, truth. They, they are really good about um, being, you know, kind of middle of the road. Um, but just, just put the facts out there, which is what, you, what's what we used to call news. Um, another good place to go is a Citizens Free Press. It's a, 
That's a, a, a great, it's a website with a bunch of links is what it is, just, just a myriad of links. And, uh, but they'll lean toward um, conservative stuff and really making sure you get truth out of this kind of stuff. Don't listen to what's going on. I, I know this, this kind of makes me a bad guy, and I, and I, but this is, this is just the truth. This is just the way it is. Um, you got to stop listening to TV news and definitely Fox News. Uh, Fox News is, is, is turned. They're trying to come back, but election night was the last time I've watched them. In fact, I sent them an email. I've never done that. But I sent them an email and said, I'm never paying attention to you again. I'm never turning you on again. You sit there and blatantly lie to us on TV, and I'm expected to watch that. I'm expected to pay attention to that. And so you've got to pay attention to where you're getting your input, what's coming into your mind, what's coming into your spirit, where are you getting the information into you, and, and where are you getting the, the reality of what's going on to you, okay? So here is, here is what I, I really want us to look at is, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at this in a, in a big picture. I'm going to address about four or five things, some stronger than others, but to really look at this idea um, I'm, and at the end of the service, I'm going to talk about our new building and some of that kind of stuff because it has to do with the one soul. But, um, but I, I really want you to get a bigger picture of something as we get to the end of this. And then over the next few weeks, I'm going to talk about some of these kind of things as we approach Christmas. We really talk about how you as one individual can make a major difference. I, because I didn't used to think that. I, for years and years, I literally didn't think I was that important in the mix. I knew that Jesus loved me. And I knew that he cared for me, and I knew he had a plan for me. That's not what I'm talking about. But there's a difference between saying Jesus loves me, and he has a plan for me, and, and then that's one subject. But then to say that I have um, influence or that I have uh, the ability to make an impact into life or people around me or, or society or culture or something, I didn't really think like that. I, didn't, I, I always have seen myself as kind of just the guy that's there, um, not in a negative way. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need you to come up and, and reaffirm me after service that I'm important. Um, I just never really thought it was that big of a deal. I didn't think I had that much influence. I didn't think that, that, um, that there's really that much that I could accomplish or do or whatever, um, except in my just like my tiny little world. And then I began to realize through Scripture that I can accomplish a lot of stuff that way transcends my time on this earth. I can accomplish things that, that affect people all over the world and that, that lives can be changed all over the world just because of who I am. And this, this is one of the biggest concepts, the, the foundational concept behind why we give financially to missions around the world. Because we are truly affecting people. This isn't, this isn't maybe or accidental or, or, or casual, <coughs> excuse me, but we can really truly affect people. That we can change societies, that we take a missionary, we support a missionary, and that missionary goes to Africa or India or something like that, and, and those people there are being affected by, we, we may only give a few dollars here or there to that, or now our church, anytime we support a missionary, we give, even if you, let's say you give $20 to a missionary, well, we're going to raise that to 100 and we're going to support our missionaries for $100 a month. Well, that $100 a month that gets that missionary there and provides for them and takes care of some of the stuff that's going on. Lives are being changed by that. That didn't that isn't a casual thing that we go, oh yeah, but really, really, what are we accomplishing? You're accomplishing a lot. And that's that's the point that I want to get across this week and I want to get across these next couple of weeks as we approach Christmas. Is there are certain things that you can do that just seem small. They seem normal, they seem small, but but they're not small because you as as one soul can affect one soul that can affect one soul, and, and, and as we, and as we get, grab onto this and realize I am very important in the kingdom of God, I am very important in the mix, I am not just a person here that's not accomplishing anything. When you, when you can get to that place, if you start owning that, and then you realize that your prayers affect things across the planet, that your attitude affects the, the people that you're around, which affects, 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 affects outward, when you can start looking at those kind of things and realize that you are very vital to the kingdom of God. You are very vital to the kingdom of God. You're just one soul, but, but, but you are, are extremely important in the mix. When you start doing that, when you start grabbing onto what God is saying um, to you there, then it changes everything. Even some of the stuff we're looking at politically and socially and culturally and everything right now, I think the church has kind of convinced itself that, 
that we're really not going to, it doesn't matter, we're just, we're just here. How much input do I have? How much, how much change can I have? Well, you can have a lot. Just, just having the right attitude around the people that are, you're around every day can change things. And again, I know that this is, this last week I just started seeing this shift all, all online and, and people I talked to that, <clears throat> well, you know, we lost this, it's no big deal. And then you see these major um, Republican faces, voices in society saying, well, it doesn't really matter, we, we've lost this one, um, let's, let's move on, next four years, it doesn't matter, we'll, we'll come back again the next four years. Guys, this is not like any other election we've had. That if we if we allow the corruption and the 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 uh, the, the blatant um, uh, evil and immorality, the stealing of an election on a national level that every single person in the country knows, conservative or liberal, they know that this is being stolen. They know this is being uh, cheated. We know that this is being lied. That we're being lied to. That these machines were corrupt, that people are corrupt, that they're bringing in hundreds of thousands of ballots in the middle of the night. When we know that and it still goes the direction and we just kind of give up and give in and say, well, we'll try again next time. Guys, you'll never have another uh, legitimate election again. You'll never have another legitimate election. Why? Because the, the liberals know that they couldn't win it by honesty, so they'll never try to do that again. It'll always, it'll always be corruption. It'll always be uh, undermining and lies and deceit, and we'll never have another legitimate fair election again. This is, this is too important. Now, here's how you fall into the mix of this, how you can make a difference right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I try to remind us of this. I say this every now and then. But I, wanna, I want us to unpack this scripture and look at it very closely because th- this is where I think that we are right now, and, and I think we've kind of been caving I think the church has even kind of been caving over this last week. I think they were doing good. I think they were standing strong. Um, but I think they've been caving. And, and just so that you know, I, I know that, um, and I'll say this online, obviously in the next service, but guys, we're not going to stop having services. You, you know that. I don't, I don't care what the state has said. I didn't care back in February. We didn't stop having services then. We're not going to stop having services now. We're not going to distance and mask and all that kind of stuff. It's just not, we're not going to do that. I know that I, I still, now that there's a whole new resurgence, I'm getting all kinds of phone calls again from pastors saying, well, but are you going to, are you going to close down this time? Are you going to do, no, this is a constitutional thing. It's a moral thing. It's a spiritual warfare thing. And I'm not just going to give in. That's been wrong. That was, it was wrong at the beginning of this year and it's wrong now. And we're not going to play the games. We're not, another, another great example of the stupidity of the games, our, our, our state, our governor, and the mayor of Denver are telling everybody to travel, don't have people in your house, and then they catch the mayor and his family going to Cleveland or something like that? Guys, this has been a lie from the beginning, and it's going to continue to be a lie until one thing happens. One thing will change all of this. When people, businesses, churches... And our country stand up and say no. That'll be the only thing that changes it. And we'll keep playing this game and it'll be another year. I know, I remember when, when, when this first started, February, March of, of this year, and people were saying, oh, it's going to be, you know, it'll just be a few weeks. And I said, no, it'll be as long as we let it be. From the very beginning, it'll be as long as we let it be. This isn't about, <clears throat> this isn't about um, people being sick or any of this other kind of stuff. It's not about that. It's about control, and as long as we let this happen, churches and businesses, as long as we let this happen, it's going to continue to happen. It's never going to stop. Our country is changing. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Something, if you haven't gone and looked this up, please go do that. It's called the Great Reset. And I I actually saw some people recently in line say, oh, this is a big uh, scam. It's a conspiracy theory. It's not really real. Except the people that are, that are in charge of this, billionaires that are in charge of this, one of them is, is, um, is uh, Kraus Schwab, he talks about it all the time, that this is intentional. He is trying to reset our world economy, and he's trying to reset our social context and our construct, and he's trying to do that through the, through the COVID controlling kind of things, him and a handful of other people. They're blatantly out there talking about it. 
People say, oh, it's just a conspiracy theory. They're blatantly out there talking about it. Go look it up. Go check it out for yourself. But here's the thing, is you and I have the ability to do something. But you've got to have the right mindset. If you're letting yourself get beat down here right now, you're saying, well, maybe we have lost this. No, look, look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. The problem that we've been having for almost a full calendar year now is we've been trying to fight battles in a human way, with human methods, on human platforms. We've been trying to fight battles the way human beings fight battles. But here's the problem is when a Christian tries to fight battles against non-Christians and you fight it on a human level, you're bound by a couple of basic things. <clears throat> and this, this is the part that gets lost to, 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 to most Christians. You're a Christian, you're trying to fight battles, but you have certain uh, criteria that you live by. You have certain moral codes that you live by. Honesty, integrity, you're going to serve God. You're going to commit yourself to God. You're not going to fight the way everybody else fights. You're not going to fight with dishonesty. You're not going to fight with, with uh, lack of integrity and all this other kind of stuff. So here's the reality. <coughs> you're going to lose. As long as you fight that on a human level, according to human reasoning, you are going to lose the battle. Because why? Satan is fighting, fighting it on a spiritual level, Although it looks physical, he's fighting on a spiritual level and he's using every mode of deception and lies and everything that he can possibly pull out. And then we're saying, well, let's fight this humanly. And so we try to fight it on an honest human level, which is what we're supposed to do, by the way. I'm not, this isn't a message about start fighting dirty. That's not, that's not the point. That's the exact opposite of what I'm saying. Okay? But what happens is we try to fight human, uh, we try to fight spiritual battles with human means. We're trying to fight. And so then what happens is we, 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 get, um, we get defeated spiritually because we're not seeing the effects of, being, of winning in the arena that we're fighting in because you're fighting in a physical way and you're not winning in a physical way. You're not expected to win in a physical way. Look, look at this again. We are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons. That's the point of this, is that when we switch gears and we start fighting on a spiritual level, not only will we win, but we will also realize that we're winning. We'll understand it. We'll comprehend the winning of this because it's becoming a spiritual thing, and we're seeing past the physical, and we're seeing the spiritual. That's where, we've, that's where we are, are struggling back and forth as the church. And this whole entire year, this has been the biggest thing that I've watched, is that we are, we are trying, the church is trying to fight on a human level. And I think the main reason is because we, as the church, we have not had a good, healthy understanding of spiritual battle and spiritual warfare. We don't, we don't really fight it properly. Now let's, let's unpack this because he tells us how. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to what? This is the key. If you don't start here with your fight, you'll never win. You'll never start winning, and then you'll never win. Because this is where the battle is happening. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. You're not trying to fight political battles. It will play out politically. It will. But that's not what you're fighting. You're not trying to fight physical battles. This isn't, this isn't um, uh, Christians against uh, Democrats. It's, that's not what it is. This is God against Satan, and we've got to make sure that we stay on God's side. Okay? Which, by the way, um, just being a Republican is not necessarily on God's side. There's a lot of things that Republicans do, the way they look at things, that are not godly and they're not healthy. Okay? There's a major push within the Republican Party to, uh, to be okay with abortion. That's been happening for 20 years now. But guys, that's an ungodly, demonic mentality. It doesn't matter who, what party's in favor of it. Whoever's in favor of it, it is wrong. It's demonic. Okay? 
So what we do is we stay on God's side and we fight these battles out the way God wants us. So what is the first thing that you do? You knock down the stronghold of human reasoning. The way you look at things in a human way, if it's not led by the Holy Spirit of God, is going to be fallible. It's going to be corrupt. You've got to attack human reasoning, the stronghold. It's not just human reasoning. It's the stronghold that gets built up by human reasoning. That's, that's, that's where we have to start fighting. That's where the battle begins, is the, the, the mentality of, of the, the stronghold of human reasoning. Now look at what he says next. And to destroy false arguments. This is something that I came across years ago, and it began to really change me. It, and when I began to understand it and kind of unpack it a little bit, is to, to, to understand how important it is to tear down human reasoning and false arguments. Because why? That's where the battle that the Lord wants us to fight is. That's the battlefront. That's the front lines of the battle. It's not all the stuff that we think sometimes. We can put so much stuff out there. And yes, we're, we're supposed to vote. We're supposed to be political. We're supposed to do this kind of stuff. I get that. But you will accomplish more by tearing down the strongholds of human reasoning and fighting against the false arguments. This is what we have not been doing this whole calendar year, is fighting against the false arguments. We've got to fight the lies. Fight the lies. Just this week, that all of the, the, the crumbling that I've seen and the caving that I've seen happening from the, uh, conservatives and, and specifically from the church is because we're doing what? We're listening to the same people that have been lying to us for years. And we're listening to them. That's the only thing that I have seen change this week <coughs> is we are listening now again. That's it. Nothing has changed. In fact, the more that you really pay attention to real news, to, to truth, that things are going very well. Things are going very well on the national scene when it comes to votes and corruption and all this other stuff. It is coming to the surface. It is going very, very well. I'm more encouraged right now than I've been since the election. But why, why are so many conservatives saying, well, I guess we lost this. I guess it's over. Because we're listening. When, when we stopped listening a few weeks ago, there was a surge around the country of people that are going, no, wait, we got this. We got this. I, I've been making this little joke, but I've been saying this for the last few weeks to just keep in mind how blatantly corrupt and how big of a lie this is. Two things that we know. Two things that every person in our country knows. Every single human in the United States of America knows two basic things. Epstein didn't kill himself, and Biden didn't win. We know this, but then why do we start getting defeated? Because we start listening. We start listening to lies. What does he say here? We're supposed to tear down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. Lies. Now, the, this, the election mentality is one uh, small aspect of this, okay? Well, it's not small, but it's one part of this. What we have to do is we have to get this in a big picture. If we can get it, <clears throat> if we can get it in a big picture, personally, it changes everything. Okay, Th this is why this is why I said I used to struggle with this idea, but I don't struggle with this now. I realize <clears throat> that I, me personally, one individual, I am very important to the furthering of the kingdom of God. I am very important. You are very important when it comes to the kingdom of God moving forward and being constantly built. If, if, if you listen to what Satan tries to tell you, you are insignificant. You're inconsequential to the big picture. You're just somebody. That's not true. You, me, every one of us, we are very important to the big picture. But what do we have to do? The first thing Tear down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments because Satan's going to try to tell you a bunch of stuff that keeps you um, inactive, keeps you unimportant, keeps you going through just motions of your life without really trying to do things, pushing forward. I know as I pray through the week, I know that I am affecting the kingdom of God in a powerful way. 
I know that. You've got to know it too. You've got to know that. That just uh, spending a little bit of time in prayer, talking to God about what's going on in your life, talking to God about the, the national stage, talking to God about the people that you work with, you are changing things. You are moving the hand of God and life around you is different. Now, look at what he says next. <clears throat> we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Every proud obstacle. What, it, what obstacles keep us or keep anybody from knowing God? Now, let's take this across the spectrum. Not just people that are not Christians, what he's, which is what he's talking about here. But let's go all the way into the arena of Christians. Christians struggle a lot with Jesus really being in charge of their life. Because why? The same way non-Christians struggle with knowing Jesus as their Savior. It's the same thing. It's just on a plane. We, and, and it's the exact same thing for every single person, Christian and non-Christian, that, that keeps people from knowing God. It's pride. The proud obstacle that keeps people... Now, what does it look like? It, it looks a little different per person. But it's pride. It's putting ourselves and what we think more important than what God thinks about us. What, how we perceive us and how we perceive God, that, that pride is an obstacle for us truly knowing who God is. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture. Now, this, this is interesting to me, and I actually went back and looked this up just to make sure. Um, I think the grammar here, the way that New Living Translation, and you guys know, I believe strongly in the New Living Translation, there's a few places that they do this kind of thing, and I think they've got it wrong here, okay? It says, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. And then it says, we capture their rebellious thoughts, like it's talking about the people, the proud, op the, 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 the people that are not knowing God, it's talking about their thoughts. I do not believe that's what it's talking about. I think they've got the grammar wrong here. It, I think what it should say is we capture the rebellious thoughts, not their rebellious thoughts. Now, why is that important? First, <coughs> I, I don't think you have the ability to capture somebody else's rebellious thoughts. I don't, I don't think that's possible. I can capture my rebellious thoughts, but I can't capture anybody else's rebellious thoughts, and I can't do anything to those thoughts. You can have whatever thought that you want. I can't control that. So I think the way they translate this, they're staying with, they're staying with the syntax through the whole thing. And I think, it, I think they get it wrong here. So let me read it in the right way, all right? We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture the rebellious thoughts and teach these thoughts, teach them to obey Christ. Not the people. You're not capturing their thoughts and teaching the people to obey Christ. You're capturing your thoughts. You're capturing rebellious thoughts that are yours, and you're, and you're bringing those thoughts into obedience to Christ. You, you understand the difference in that? I'm capturing the, my thoughts, and I'm bringing them to submission to God. Now, what does that mean? What, what thoughts am I bringing to obedience to God? Every thought. Remember the, the proud obstacles, the, the, the uh, strongholds of human reasoning and the lies, the false arguments? I'm taking all of those things, and I'm capturing them, and I'm bringing them into obedience to Christ. Now, how do you do that? It's very simple. When you have a thought... When, when, when something is going on proactively in your mind or even almost even subconsciously and you catch on to it, you, you, you establish, is this a God-originated idea or is it not a God-originated idea? Did it come from the foundation of God's word and his truth or did it, did it not? Did it come from somewhere else? You can find these things very simply in Scripture. If, if, if you are having a thought process, go to Scripture and see, is it in Scripture? A nice place to start is uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. Think on these things. And then he gives us a list. Whatever, what, whatsoever things are pure and a good report, those, you can look down through that list. Is this thought from God? Well, what, does it apply to that list? Is it come from that list? If it comes from that list and it's a God thought, and you're good with it. But if the thought is tearing down God's truth, God's word, or you within the context of the kingdom of God, it's not a healthy thought and needs to be brought into obedience. You need to submit it to God and say, this thought is not a God thought. I'm going to submit it to God. God, you give me truth. 
You give me truth in replace of this lie. You, you replace this lie with truth, and I'm going to focus on the truth. I'm, I'm part of the kingdom of God. I'm important to the kingdom of God. I matter. My prayers matter. God is not done with us as a people. God has a plan for us. There's a lot of things that you can go through and go through and go through. But what the church has become too much caught up in, and specifically even in the last few months with the election and everything else, is that, well, is, is abortion really that big of a deal? Well, yes. It's murdering babies. It can't get more big of a deal. You go down through the lines. Well, what about all the, 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 and I've seen this so much online lately. There were big push right at the time of the, the election that, that LGBT issues, those aren't really that big of a deal. God doesn't really care that much about it. The church seems to care more than God. My argument's the opposite. The church doesn't seem to care enough. These are people that are being destroyed by, by their own sexual reasoning and desires. They're being destroyed. Satan is laughing at them while he's destroying them. And the church is like, you know what? Let's not make a big deal about it. Let's just hug everybody. Instead of speaking truth. Well, then we get all these things. And that's where you have to say, wait a second. That, thought, that thought's not a God thought. I've got to bring that thought into submission to God. What does God's word say? Not what do I think. This, we capture the, the rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. And after you have become fully obedient, we will punish Everyone who remains disobedient. God's pretty serious about this. So, let's uh, jump down. We're going to go to John chapter 6. And so this is, where, this is where I want us to keep focusing on. We use God's weapons to what? Tear down strongholds of human reasoning and false arguments. Tear down obstacles of pride. Get people from knowing God. And capture rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey God. That, that, is the basic, that is the basic outline there. Stay with that. Just get that in your head and, and, and focus on that. In fact, um, <clears throat> for years I had, I had had this written down um, on a little card and I kept it on my desk all the time because it is so easy to start listening to lies. Starts, it's so easy to start listening to lies that Satan can, can, can seem to seemingly start in your own spirit, in your own existence. And then all of a sudden you're believing things that are not healthy for you. They're not healthy for the, your family, your church. They're not healthy for the kingdom of God. And you don't even know necessarily when it started. So I wrote those things down. I'm going to tear down the strongholds of, uh, of uh, false arguments. Um, and, I'm, and, and then just walk down through that. And so then in your head as you're reading down through those, the reason I had on my desk is so I would read it every day. And, and it's amazing how the more I did that, the more I did that, I would recognize lies quicker. I would recognize things that were manipulations of Satan or, or non-truths, I began to recognize them quicker. And I do have people ask me this regularly, and I think this is one of the things. Well, how, how, do, you, how do you get to the truth quick? How do you know you're getting to the truth? You stay in God's Word, and you stay in this specific Scripture. Tear down false arguments. Stay there. Stay in that mindset. Okay. Now, with that being said, <clears throat> we also know in the middle of all this, in the middle of the cloud of lies and everything else that Satan is trying to tell us and manipulate us and play us here is that we have to make the conscious choice to not believe what Satan is telling us. But here's the next step, and this is how we're going to do it. And this is, this is what we're going to try to unpack over the next few weeks. I'm going to give you a few examples of this over the next few weeks of ways that you actually combat the lies that Satan tries to tell you. Now, these don't seem like the normal way you would combat but it is the way you combat, and this is where we have. This is this is how we fight God's uh, battles according to spiritual fight instead of physical fight. Okay, um, John chapter six. <clears throat> the the idea of being thankful. We just came out of Thanksgiving, right? This is why I'm doing this one first. Um, that we come out of Thanksgiving. Here's something that I just don't think we understand the depth of enough is what it means to truly be thankful. Thankful to God in, in all circumstances. Thankful. Do you know the word thankful or, or thanks, giving thanks, that mentality in Scripture is, is overwhelmingly most of the time it's, it's uh, translated um, to praise or confess that He's God. Now think about that. When you say to God, God, thank you for whatever, okay? Whatever comes next is... It's just part of the mix. 
but it's the thank you to God. What you are doing is you are establishing in your own self, you're establishing on a spiritual level that you recognize that God is the sovereign one in charge. Okay? Let, let, let me give you an example. Two people came up to, to, uh, to me right now, and, um, and, and they both said, uh, hey, we did this for you. Okay, so, so I'll give you an example. Um, they, they brought some, a plate of bacon, cooked in the oven with brown sugar, you know, all the good stuff. And they bring the plate of bacon, and both of them are standing there. And uh, they bring me the plate of bacon, and they say, uh, Pastor, we, we want to give you this plate of bacon. We both cooked this. And I know the couple that's standing there, and I know one of them didn't have anything to do with it. They just walked up with it, and the second one did all the work. Right? And so I immediately tell the second one, thank you for this. And the first one said, yeah, we, we really worked hard at this. And I keep saying to the second one, thank you for this. What am I establishing? I know where it really came from. I know where the real source of this is. It doesn't matter that they both walk up. We, we did this. We, we, uh, Thanksgiving, we did Christmas gift for our kids <clears throat> because we were down in Texas. And, uh, and my, we had drawn names, and I, I had drawn my uh, daughter-in-law, married to my oldest son, I drew her name, and so when she was opening her gift, I was staring at the gift, and she looked up at me while she was opening, and she said, are you about to figure out what I got for Christmas, too? And I, I was like, is it that obvious? Yeah. She said, you don't even have a clue what's in this box, do you? I said, I have no idea, but I'm the one who drew her name. Why? Because my wife just kind of took care of that for me, and I was so excited. It was like Christmas for both of us, because I bought her that, you know, and uh, th this is the reality, guys. When, when we look Satan in the face and we look God in the face and we recognize that God is the one that's in charge and we thank him, that's a slam to Satan, but that's also a confession of the deity of God. That is a confession of the sovereignty of God. That is a confession that God is in control and Satan is not. And that's one of the ways that you combat who Satan is and what he's trying to do in your life is you constantly give God thanks it is a spiritual form of worship, and it is a confession of his sovereignty over your life. And guys, here's, here's where it gets difficult for us, okay? We spend a lot of time and energy in our lives as Christians confessing the stuff that Satan has told us instead of who God is. We confess the things that Satan is lying to us about, and we, and we own them, and we embrace them. And it's horrible. It's horrible when we do that. I catch myself doing it. I catch my family doing it. When I, when I, when I see one of my family doing it, one of my kids or my daughter-in-laws or something where they're, well, I guess I'm not that important. No, no. That, that you're confessing Satan's lies. Don't play his game. Don't get in his camp and, and, and say the things he's trying to put in your mouth and your mind and your spirit. Don't say that stuff. Don't, don't attach that to your life. And guys, you know, I'm not, I'm not out there in the, in the thing where no matter what you say, you know, you say something, and no matter what you say, it all comes true. I don't believe that. But I do know that if you, if you confess or you give thanks to Satan, you say, I've never walked around saying, thank you, Satan, for this. But, but, but we do that. We actually do that. I had somebody asking me about the concept of prayer because I've been saying over the last few weeks that whoever prays the most during this transition is who's going to win this. Whoever prays the most is who's going to win this. If the, if the ungodly liberal mentality prays stronger than the godly, liberal, uh, godly conservative mentality, we will lose this thing and our country will forever be changed. And they say, well, what do you mean? You got, you got liberals out there praying? Yes, you got liberals out there praying. They're saying, man, we need this to happen. Man, this has got to happen. We hope this happens. This is the most important thing. This has got to happen. What is that? That's praying. They just don't know exactly who they're praying to. But that's okay because Satan knows. They don't have to know who they're praying to. Satan knows. Well, that's the same thing when you start... Uh, touting the things that Satan is putting in your mind and your spirit, defeat, the, the, dejection, the, the, uh, that you're in, not important, that you lost this, that, that God's not big enough to handle this. Well, where are those thoughts coming from? 
Those thoughts are coming from Satan, and he's using that as a trap against you, and he wants you to pray those out loud. He wants you to verbalize those out loud. And that's what we do. When you're defeating on yourself, you're praying Satan's prayers for you. When you're tearing yourself down and tearing who God is in your life down, you're playing the game. Jesus replied, John chapter 6, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me. Now, this is after the feeding of the 5,000. Okay? There's a bunch of little miracles that happen here. This is so interesting. Feeds the 5,000, walks on water, does all this kind of stuff. And then Jesus goes across the, the water to the other side of the, the, the lake. And uh, when he gets over there, all these people start gathering around. Now, all these different things have happened. This is what he says. I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. He walked on water between the feeding of the 5,000 and, and this statement. And he said, the only reason you care to be around me is because I fed you. I've often wondered, I know this is a side note, but I've often wondered, did that bread and fish just seem to taste better than other bread and fish? I, don't, I have no idea. But something tells me, if Jesus is the first one that breaks it, it was like it was like an Asiago bagel. It wasn't just it wasn't just bread, right? I mean, okay. So Jesus says the only reason you're caring, the only reason you're trying to get with me right now is because I fed you. Now look at this. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. The feeding of the five thousand wasn't a parlor trick that Jesus was doing to make sure they all got fed. Probably most of the people there <clears throat> could have gone back home that night and been just fine and didn't need to have Jesus feed them. He was trying to show them he's in charge of everything. The same God that, that sent manna down in the wilderness to the Israelites after they left Egypt is the same Jesus that is standing right there in front of them and, and breaking this bread and fish so that they could eat there too. He is the great provider under all circumstances. And they couldn't see the big picture because they were too interested in the food. They were too interested in seeing the, the, the bread and the fish and they had more of it and they could eat and so they missed the bigger picture. That Jesus is trying to show them that He is sovereign God over everything. And He says, because I fed you, but not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy <coughs> seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For, for God the Father has given me this, His seal of approval. He's trying to get us to see God. He's trying to get us to see the big picture. And we're too, too concerned with the, the, the temporary. We're too concerned with the food. I think we do the same thing in, in our Christian walk today. We're, we focus so much on what Jesus can do that we miss Jesus. We miss Him. We miss the, the, the person, the God in human flesh, the the. the creator that took on human flesh to die. We miss Jesus because we're too focused on the things he can do for us. This Cicero put, I saw this quote from Cicero this week, said, gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but the parent of all others. Being grateful sets the stage for submission and direction in our life. When you are truly grateful to God, you recognize that he's in charge. That's the key. So, here's what I think needs to happen. We must confess God to, first, ourselves. We must confess God to our, our close circle, our friends, our family. We must confess God to our church. And, and uh, we must confess God to the world, to his created peoples. How do we do that? We give thanks to God. I, I've had people ask me over the years, how important of a deal is it to pray for your food? Um... I don't think it's a win or lose salvation kind of thing. I know people that do think that. If you don't pray for your food, you're going to go to hell. I don't. Um, but we pray for our food as a family. Why? Because I'm confessing that it came from him. I'm not taking it for granted. I'm not taking my ability to earn a living for granted. God has given me that ability. God, these are God-given things. What, what I'm doing right now is a God thing. What you do when you go to work is a God thing. 
And that, that when you confess that he's God, it makes a difference. And so you, you personally, one person, just thanking God and confessing that he's God, I think makes spiritual impacts across all kinds of planes that we'll never see, we'll never understand. So Psalms 138. <clears throat> I give thanks, O Lord, with all my heart. I will sing your praises before the gods. I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness. For your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. Isn't that a great sentence? That his promises, the, the promises that God gives us are backed. They, they, they're backed with him. He's backing up these promises. The honor of your name. As soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. Do we really think that? This is what Scripture says. As soon as I pray, you answer me. We don't think that. We've trained ourselves in the church to think God takes forever to answer little things. We, we, because why? We don't think the way that we're supposed to. We don't have the right tearing down human strongholds, tearing down human reasonings, all these other kind of things. We go by what society has told the church for so long that the church has stopped believing God's word and we've started believing their, the societal approach to Christianity where prayer is not that big of a deal. That's not true. It is extremely important. As soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. Every king in all the earth will thank you, Lord, for all of them will hear your words. Yes, they sing about the Lord's ways, for the glory of the Lord is very great. Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. But the, the church has got to embrace that thought more. That we've got to be humble people. Pride, pride is destroying the church in, in all avenues. Somebody asked me about this because I mentioned it, I don't remember, a few weeks ago in passing, but these preachers that need to have these Lear jets and they beg people to give them money so that they can have, you know, a $23 million jet. Guys, that's not godly. That's, that's, that stuff's an abomination to God. The pride and the arrogance and the, I think I'm the most important person on the planet kind of thinking that, that invades the church. It's so unhealthy and it's so destructive. God wants humility. He wants us broken before him. Though I am surrounded by troubles, you will protect me from the anger of my enemies. You reach out your hand and the power of your right hand saves me. The Lord will work out his plan for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. This is the type of thankful thinking that changes, that changes the life around us. It changes the existence around us. When we begin to thank God and put him first, it changes us. Now, I want to <clears throat> finish by including our building stuff into this, just um, because it's the same subject. The one soul thing I think is very important here, that you, are, you can affect a lot of things individually, not just corporately. And again, this is something that I really have owned for a long time, is I have a, a specific impact into the kingdom of God. Now, we've been talking about we need to get this uh, building built. We need to do this kind of stuff. There's so many reasons right now with um, interest rates and things like that. We start building right now, and the interest rates we can lock in changes, the, changes everything we're doing for literally 30 years. Um, and so we're, we're really pushing. We've been talking about this in the, in the board meetings for uh, quite, a, quite a few months. But this is where we came to. Uh, first, I did want to show you. I think we have the drawings up here. We did get the, the uh, these are basically the final drawings on the expansion. We're going to go out 40 feet this way. We're going to go out a little bit each side. Um, it'll add quite a few seats. Um, right now, we have about 200 seats in here. Um, it'll go to about 450, I believe, will be somewhere in there. And then the amount of other spaces through this is just absolutely amazing. Um, let's go to the next one where we have the, the bottom floor. Um, the, all of the stuff that you see on the, the big square down there is all children's sanctuary, children's spaces, all kinds of things. It's all a secure setup so that we can have security across the way. Uh, nurseries, all kinds of extra things that, that it'll give us. Okay, you can show the other two elevations. 
<clears throat> that, that's basically what it's going to look like if you're standing out there looking this way um, is the bottom left one, top one kind of. So here's, here's where we're, we're going with this. We've been talking about this for a while, and we realize that we just really need to pull the trigger on this. Um, we, are, we are very, very close financially to being able to do this. Um, we, are, we are way up financially this, this calendar year, and I know that shouldn't be the case, um, but there's a lot of reasons. I, I, some I could explain, some I don't even really want to, but, but we've had a lot of change and transition since this month last year. And, uh, and everything began to explode right after the changes um, with finances and with people and all kinds of other things in a hugely powerful way. And all through everything with COVID. Now, think about this. Include this in the mix. When COVID first hit and everybody stopped having church, we never stopped having church, but we did get down to like 15 people. Um, this would have been a healthy crowd the first couple of weeks, the first month or so. Um, I think usually I was speaking to a camera and like Linda. And so the, uh, through all of that, our church finances have been up throughout the entire year uh, more than $6,000 a month, which is exactly what we're paying on our note. So basically we've been paying, because we still owe $300,000, we have been paying basically um, from excess uh, through this whole calendar year. We're looking at this, we realize um, over the last month or two, trying to fit everybody in, not this service obviously, but second service, trying to figure all this out, the space, we, we decided in the board meeting we're going we're gonna to pull the trigger and we're going to build the building. But here's what we're going to do to make sure, we're, we're, we're kind of slowly pulling the trigger, okay? So here's what we're doing. Um, <clears throat> we, we want to pass out commitment cards to you, we're going to do this over the next few weeks, and as soon as we get to the point where there is a commitment of 3000 a month toward the building, we're going to start building. Now, we're already pulled the trigger. We're, we've got the plans. We're doing the engineering drawings. We're tying up. We're getting all the infrastructure that's developed. We're going to be tying in the water and sewer into here and then running it down a little bit and stubbing it for the corner down there. We're doing a lot of stuff. We're moving forward either way. Okay, We're not going to start digging until we get the... Um, until we get a commitment of at least $3,000 a month. So you say, well, um, what does that have to do with me? Well, you can be part of that $3,000 a month. That's what we're doing with this. And this is why I say to us, um, even not, not all the stuff I've been talking about in the sermon, but even just for this, this, this small thing. And the big picture, building this building is, is, is a smaller thing than the big picture. Kingdom of God and everything else that's happening. Um, you can make as much of an impact as anybody else. Pray about this. Talk to God about this. The commitment cards, are they, do, are they here? Go ahead and pass those out. Um, we're not asking for a bunch of information. And if you don't even want to put your name on this, I've had a couple people ask me about this. And I guess it's just how people think. Um, you don't have to put your name on this. We're not, we're not going to follow this up. We're not emailing you. Guys, if, if you've been around here any length of time at all, you know I'm not, I don't pressure at this at all. In fact, I think, I think having to beg people or pressure people to do something or to give, I don't think that's, I don't think that's a godly way to do it because this is either something God puts in your spirit or it's not. So you say, okay, I want to, I want to do this. I want to, I want to be part of this. Write it on the commitment card. Turn it. You say, well, if I'm already giving something right now, write it on the commitment card. We'll know what that is. Um, there's not a whole lot of people that are giving right now already, but if you want to write that on the card, that's fine. Uh, when we get to $3,000 per month, we're going to start building. And by the way, we think that's going to happen fairly soon. We think it's going to happen before the end of the year. We really believe by 1st of January we'll be ready to dig. Um, we can already afford everything right now, uh, but we're right at the wire, and we just don't want to play around with this. Um, I don't want to play around with this. I mentioned a few weeks ago a very... Just a profound truth. Um, I also get paid from this thing. Okay, so, so we don't want to play around with this. Uh, I joke about that a little bit, but guys, I've been contributing to this building um, for years, actually years, because I know we, we're going to do this. I'm excited about it. So that's where we're at. You're going to have the plans. We're going to put the plans, replace the other plans. 
um, out there in the foyer this week. You'll be able to see those this next week. If you have any questions, you, we'll, email you the, we'll email you the drawings if you want to see them. I mean, whatever you want to do, we'll talk about it. Um, but, but here's the biggest thing. Just pray about this. Pray. God, do you want me to do something? If he, and if he shows you to do something, then do that. That's how simple it is, okay? And if you want to write that down on the commitment card, you can do that. You can um, hand them to uh, one of the ushers. You can hand them to me personally, and uh, we'll be counting them up over the next few weeks and seeing when we get to that number, right? All right, guys, let's pray. Here's what we're going to pray. I, I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mind stream, okay? God, I'm going to listen to you. I'm not going to listen to Satan. That's what we're going to pray. And God, I am important in this. As please do not think that you are not a vital ingredient to the furtherance of the kingdom of God. So we're going to pray that, and then we're going to cap it. The same mind stream in my thinking is, now God, what does this have to do with the building specifically for me? Right? God, we surrender ourselves to you. God, I pray right now across this whole room that we would stand up against the arguments that Satan tries to infiltrate into our existence. That we would stand up against the, the strongholds of false arguments, the, the, the lies and the deceit, the pride that keeps us from knowing you. God, we ask you to help us to stand against those things. And Lord, I pray that we would not, be, we would not listen to the lies. We would not listen to the stuff and the lies. Lord, everyone in this building is extremely vital, extremely important to your kingdom. God, don't let Satan tell them they're not. Lord, we are important to your kingdom. Help us to see it. Help us to get it. Lord, we're going to listen only to you, to your word, what you say, not all the other stuff. So God, help us to stand up against what Satan is telling us. Help us to realize how important we are, that we as one soul is very important. And then God, I pray for our building. I pray that you make it happen. Stir in our hearts to give. And for this whole year of 2021, Lord, we're gonna, we're gonna make this commitment and, and believe that you can do this. And we're gonna make our impact, whatever it is, we're gonna make our impact. God, that's gonna, that's gonna get this done. I believe it, I believe it. Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, take the opportunity to pray about this. Um, fill out the card. Think about it this week. Pray about it this week. Um, and then just do what God tells you. And it'll be exactly what's supposed to happen. I know that. And then just do what God tells you. So before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you the opportunity to let somebody know Jesus is amazing and he loves them. Use being thankful to accomplish the task. Be thankful and confess that God is God and he'll honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. So shake somebody's hand. Tell them how glad you are that they're here and uh, we will see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your week. Joy the truth.